0: you another edition of the degenerate hawkeyes podcast Trent and biz talking hawkeye football and a little basketball here with you as we are in the season where they're both playing it's a fun time and it's certainly a fun time as iowa gets another rivalry victory knocking off minnesota 27 22 tight maybe tighter than it should be we'll get into that a whole lot more but for another year floyd stays home that's a good thing biz
1: Wasn't pretty, but uh, for the second week in a row, Trent, uh, a win is a win. We'll we'll take them any way we can get them right now. But uh, like you said, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about what happened uh, between the Hawks and the Gophers. Before we do that, I want to take just a question for you, Trent. Have have any of the – The Iowa State fans that uh, ripped you a new one earlier in the year, have they taken the time to uh, call and apologize to you in the last week?
0: Yeah, still waiting. Uh, From time to time, I do like to bring it up on my radio show and and remind them that basically everything that I said this summer and into the season has come to fruition. But, yeah, no mea couples yet. Uh, I'm still waiting. They know where to find me. Uh, 10 to noon each and every weekday on KXNO. I'm on the air. I'll take your phone call. And you want to say, Trent, you were right? Yeah, I I don't think – I don't think I'll be getting many of those phone calls. We'll see if there's another 25 page thread about me. About you know that Trent kind of guy, he was right.
1: Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's coming, Trent. Right, right. let's let's take a moment and let's talk about those clones, Trent. Because uh, you know we've talked about it in the past, and you and I said earlier in the year we thought that what Iowa State had done is is commendable because they basically become what Iowa has been for two decades now, mm-hmm. which is a good team that when things fall right could be potentially a very good or even great team. Well, things have not fallen right for them this year. And uh, you know what they are, Trent? They're 6-4 and four in a bad Big 12 conference that includes losses against two teams that uh, are 3-9 and nine against the rest of the Big 10. I just wanted to point out two different things, one a tweet and one an article that I don't know if you've seen them, but – I think it's important for our listeners to see these things to, to show just how uh, how delusional some of the Iowa State not, not just fan base, but the uh, knowledgeable people continue to be. So let's start with Sage Rosenthal. Did you happen to see his tweet last week?
0: No, I did not.
1: He tweeted that uh, John haycock is is the best defensive coordinator in America over the last three. three i to four d- I
0: years. did see that. yeah, I did I forgot it was from Sage. Yes. I did see that one.
1: Well, that, that tweet didn't age well, Trent, because <laughs> uh, they, they gave up 31 points and almost 400 yards in the first half to Texas Tech, a team that has no coach and is, uh, has a backup freshman quarterback uh, who just started uh, just started filling in. So uh, just a reminder to Sage and all the other wonderful uh, Clones fans out there, there, there's another defensive coordinator in the state of Iowa who hasn't given up 31 points. In an entire game in over three years, so uh, uh, maybe take that tweet back because uh, the greatest alleged greatest defense coordinator in America—that's the 31st or that's the 11th time in those three years that he's given up at least 31 points. So let's let's pump the brakes on John Haycock being the greatest defensive coordinator in uh, in America. Is he a good coordinator? Absolutely. Is he the best in the nation? Absolutely not.
0: Is he the best in Iowa? Absolutely not.
1: Absolutely not. Thank you. So uh, part two, Trent, I don't know if you saw the wonderful Randy Peterson article. Um, for listeners that don't know, Randy Peterson is the uh, the main beat writer for the one register for Iowa State. Well, he's he made a, a bold guarantee this week that, uh, you know, obviously he's disappointed in the season. Things have not gone well. They've not lived up to the high expectations. But uh, I'll, I'll just read it to you. Um, here's his paragraph, regardless of what happens during Saturday's 11 a.m. game against also Hurting, Oklahoma, or during the regular season finale against TCU, results on the field will not, I repeat, will not be a product of Matt Campbell's team simply going through the motions. Mm. I've, I've seen that happen. It's impossible to disguise it. Anyone close to football has seen it, but I guarantee you it won't play out with this team. So uh, this isn't some random hot rod on the Internet or uh, you know, some fanboy on a social media site. This is their beat writer making guarantees that Matt, Matt Campbell's team will, will never give up on him, Trent. So, uh, man, I hope they get trounced on Saturday because that is just irresponsible writing in every possible way to make guarantees that the, this team won't quit on Matt Campbell because uh, you're down 31-7 to to Texas Tech. That, that certainly seems like a team that's on the verge of quitting to me.
0: Well, and it's kind of dangerous to say something like that when the coach gave up on his team in a rivalry game in Week 2 and threw in the towel as I was killing him in the end of the third quarter, and he puts in his backup quarterback. It's interesting that there's a lot of these going out there, and a lot of revisionist history also seems to come out here. Six and four, that's what they are. You are what your record says you are, and that gap biz that you said, building from being a good program to getting to that level... They were nine and three last year. They lost to seven by seventeen to Louisiana. They had a win against an Oregon team that had lost to what? Cal during the regular season. I think Cal's only win came against Oregon. That was four and two. That's who they beat in the Fiesta Bowl in a weird COVID year. And they were still nine and three. That's what I didn't get the coronation that this is going to be a playoff contender. I thought it was absolutely laughable, and I'm so happy to see it play out that way.
1: Well, and I'm not sitting here saying the same thing doesn't happen to Iowa. It does, it does We, yes. all, re- we yep. all remember 2010. Yes. That was the year that everybody thought Iowa was going to be great. 2005, you know we- same thing. <laughs> but you know, 2010 year, we've lost some close games. We lost some heartbreakers, and the year uh, the year went poorly. And you know what? When we went to Minnesota at the end of the year, we did give up. We, we lost to a really bad Minnesota team. And I'm not sitting here saying it didn't happen. Um, you know, But the fact of the matter is, Iowa fans weren't making excuses at the end of that year. You know what Iowa fans were at the end of the year? Pissed off. They were pissed off that we did not meet expectations. But it baffles me that Iowa State fans uh, continue to try to justify in some way that this year uh, hasn't been as bad as, you know, uh, it, it, it's this inferiority complex that they refuse to admit that, you know what, we failed to meet expectations. We blew it. We had the best team on paper that we were supposed to have forever. Um, And it's not because of injuries. They're they're all pretty much healthy across the board, except for uh, Mike Rose missing one game. They they just haven't done it. And, uh, you know, at some point you maybe just need to own up to that and say, you know what, Uh, we failed. But uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. No, no. I'll get off my soapbox at this point, Trent, and let's let's talk about a a fortunate W at the Kinnick on Saturday.
0: Fortunate is a good way to put it. Uh, Some head-scratching decisions, I think, on both sidelines that we can get to, you want to start with the the dork wearing his bright red pants and and know going up and down the sideline like a goober and Phil Fleck, or do we want to uh, throw a little shade at Kirk and Company?
1: Oh no, let's let's start with PJ because uh, you know I'm sure you'll be giddy to know this, Trent, but you know I don't think this is exactly a hot take to say that that PJ Fleck blew that game. He uh, he absolutely blew it, and the numbers back it up because you know. They kicked our butts, Trent. I mean, they pushed us up and down the field. They dominated from the 20-yard line to the 20-yard line. By the end of the game, they had over twice the time of possession, over 40 minutes, 23 to 12 on first downs. They didn't have a single turnover, and they had 130 more yards than us, and they found a way to lose. And it's entirely on P.J. Flack because you look at it, it comes down to three drives. They kicked our butts in the first quarter. They went down the field. They ran the ball 12 times for 73 yards and then decided to chicken out and settle for three on, a, on fourth and goal. Same thing in the second quarter. Ten to ten, they get a huge turnover. They run the ball right down our throats again, eight runs for 38 yards. Get to fourth and one with 40 seconds to go, and instead of uh, being aggressive, they chicken out and kick for a field goal. Same thing in the third quarter. Down 17-13, they run the ball down our throats again. Six runs for 38 yards. Get down to fourth and one, and for the third time in a row, settle for a short field goal. So uh thank you, PJ Fleck, for uh not having the confidence to go for it on fourth and one because uh we weren't stopping you on fourth and one, but you stopped yourself. So uh he had the better team on the field on Saturday, but he puckered up when it mattered and uh, that's why we're talking about a Hawkeye
0: win. Yeah, so many baffling decisions there. The first one, that first field goal, as they're marching down the field there. What did every Hawkeye fan in the stadium want them to do? Kick the field goal. And they kicked the field goal. Even if they don't get it in that spot. You're having the Iowa offense drive 98 yards back the other way against you. you think you'd take your chances on that. I-, I didn't understand that. And then late in the game, 4th and 17. And not to punt it back to Iowa with one timeout in your pocket, because we all know what Kirk would do in that spot. Even the ball's just kicked out to the 50-yard line. He's going to run into the line three times, punt it right back to you, and you're going to get the football back with a fresh set of downs as opposed to 4th and 17. That one was absolutely baffling, head scratching, all those different things. Now, Kirk also had his own baffling decision right after that 4th and 17. You ready to go there?
1: Yeah, I yeah, am. But before we go into it, I will say I thought for 58 minutes, Our game plan and our aggressive play calling, I I thought we called a great game. Yes. I I thought we, uh, we knew pretty quickly in that game, we were not going to out physical Minnesota on either side of the ball. And so we, we did what we needed to do. And, you know, for 58 minutes, I thought Brian Ferentz called a great game and I, and I thought our game plan in general was great. So, uh, before we rip on the last two minutes, let's, let's, let's give credit where credit's due, which is it was a good game plan, and uh, our aggressive nature is what won us that game. But uh, we almost tried to, to give it back at the end, that's for sure.
0: So forced down and goal from the three-yard line with two minutes and what? Or 2 two ten left? I think it was something like that. Regardless, two minutes and change left. And on the first down play, they go quarterback sneak, not trying to score. Second down. They do it again. They finally use the timeout. Minnesota does. Then it's third and goal. You go with the stretch play. It gets blown up. You kick the field goal 27-22. But that was frustrating, certainly in the moment. But then after the game, to hear Alex Padilla say they weren't trying to score on those first two plays. I understand conservative nature. I get it. But you go up two scores with a touchdown. You clinched the game for all intents and purposes. What? Not trying to score as baffling of a thing as I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add. Trent. It it's just defies logic. I mean, it, it's I. What they were saying is they were trying to score on third down. Once once they You're milked right. them out of the timeouts and everything, So they weren't trying to score. They just weren't going to score too early. Which that's uh, <laughs> uh, the most Hawkeye Hawkeye comment of all time. So, you know. I wonder sometimes if we're just not good at math because uh, that that philosophy makes sense if it was going to be a one-score game after the score. But going up nine, that game is 100% over because the Gophers are not going to march down and score, get on to kick and score again. Their, their offense just isn't meant that way. So they're built that way. So, yeah, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. But like I said, let's, let's, let's focus on the, the 58 minutes, which was uh, – I thought a really, really good game plan, and I thought we really adapted our game plan to the strengths of, uh, of Alex Padilla, and he certainly showed, certainly showed some signs of being a capable quarterback. Is he uh, a finished product? Absolutely not, but uh, overall, I give him a, a positive grade for uh, what he did on Saturday. He came in and was pretty fearless, I thought.
0: Really was. he. Uh, I like the game plan, as you said, moving the pocket around, going a lot of play action, taking those shots down the field. I saw... You know, Numbers between deep shots between him and Petrus are not that much different, but they are. In eight games, Petrus took 21 shots down the field, 20-plus yards down the field. In two games, or really a game and three quarters, we've already seen nine out of Padilla. So, yeah, completion percentage is about the same on those deep shots, but he's doing a lot more. It makes a whole lot more sense. The offense works with a guy that can move around just a little bit, and that's all Padilla. We're not making him out to be Lamar Jackson or anything like that. But he can move. He can get outside the pocket. He's not decrepit. And if a pocket breaks down, he can actually do something to escape it. How about this? Minnesota didn't have a sack in the game. It's not like that offensive line suddenly got great by any means as we saw in the run game on Saturday. So positive development there. They have their guy. I was very surprised, though, on the ride home listening to the post game and the call-in shows that there are some people that still believe, though, that this is Spencer Petras' job. That injury that you don't lose your job because of injury i don't know how you can watch this and come up with that conclusion it's just it's asinine
1: well i don't think we even have to have that discussion or worry about that discussion because honestly i think the coaching staff has moved on i think the coaching staff realizes um you know we we complain about the stubbornness of this coaching staff sometimes and that they probably hold on a little too long but uh they're not. They're not dumb. They they saw what we saw the last two weeks. This is Alex Padilla's team for the end of this year. Is it an open competition at the end of the year? Maybe, but uh, Alex Padilla will, barring injury, Alex Padilla will be playing the next three games.
0: Good. That's what we need. Absolutely, that's what we need. All right. With that, anything more on the victory against the Gophers? It's just great to have Floyd at home again for the seventh straight year.
1: No, I just you know. Again, we did not deserve to win that game, but uh we found a way to do it. And, and uh, you know, you hope that, that you know, we'll talk about this, I'm sure a little more coming up with Illinois, but you hope that didn't we didn't you know we got beat up pretty good by the Gophers. Mm-hmm. They are a physical team and, and the last time that happened, you know, was probably the Penn State game and then the next week there was certainly uh some after effects of that. So You know, I think there's some. We'll talk about a little more later, but there's definitely some similarities, some concerning similarities between the uh, the Purdue game and the Illinois game coming up. But but before we get into that, let's talk. Let's talk the fun part of Illinois, which is uh, good old Brett Bielema. (laughs) Burt making his way back,
0: but he's not going to be making his way back.
1: Sadly, the the return of Burt is already uh, already not going to happen.
0: Yeah, and with his uh, with his girth. A scary situation there with COVID, even though it's a breakthrough case and all that. He's vaccinated, that's the good news, and he just had a booster shot, but obviously hope for the best for Bert, And he's got that Illinois team playing, well, like you'd anticipate. It's a Brett Bielema-type team here. And just think that is not going to be there, that this is going to be easy by any means. Don't fall in that trap. Remember, last year against Purdue, Braum wasn't there. His brother took over the play-calling duties, and they still kicked the crap out of Iowa.
1: Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it necessarily matters one way or the other if he's there. But uh, let's go down, let's go down memory lane. Let's get Stat Boy involved here today, Trent, and talk about uh, the the history of old uh, old Brett Bielema, both as a hawk and as a coach. You ready? You ready to get him some fun info? Yes,
0: I'm ready. What's uh, Stat Boy got for us this week?
1: So let's start with his time as a hawk. Uh, as most people know, uh, Brett Bielema was a defensive lineman for on, on the Hawks from 1988 to 1992. Um, captain his senior year, but uh, what he's most well known for is what Trent?
0: Well, yelling at Jim Walden.
1: Exactly. So let's let's break that down because this is some, some absolute gold that Statboy Boy found. So 1992, the Hawks beat Iowa State 21 to seven, fifth win in a row while Bealimo was a, a member of the Iowa program. He uh, strides out to strides out to midfield and. Uh, if you believe what other people say, not what Bielma says, but believe what other people say, shakes Walden's hands and says, "I've enjoyed kicking your ass for the last five years." So, uh, let's, uh, a, it's a great quote, but b, let's break down to see what what really happened. So, Stat Boy pulled all the articles from in and around that, uh, and it's it's pretty funny because here's what Bielma had to say post game when asked about it. He said, "Well, it really goes back to 1988." Walden said he didn't know a single player on our defense back then. Um, he also claimed the old films showed that Walden would frequently antagonize Iowa players when they were near the Iowa State sideline. And he commented, he's done a lot to motivate us. I just feel sorry for his players. But uh, the best part of it is Bielma initially claimed that he didn't use or he denied using any profanity. And, and here's his quote. It's pretty funny. I just went up to him and said, Thank you for motivating me these last five years. And then he asked me if I wasn't being a very good person. I just wanted to congrats, i just went up to congratulate him. But honestly, I feel sorry for their players that they have to deal with that kind of leadership. So uh, that was Bealba's initial comment. So he, didn't, he didn't hold back. So he denied using the profanity. But eventually, Trent—he he came clean, admitted that there was profanity um, because. Two days later, Iowa put out a pretty great press release that involved quotes from both Bielema and uh, Hayden. So Bielema in it said, in reflection of of our post-game conversation, I regret and apologize for the use of profanity. So uh, not really apologizing for what he said, just the fact that he swore. Uh, And then Hayden took it even kind of a step further. His uh, press release was the University of Iowa... Coaches and players regret the language used by Bielema following the game. Our team has a general rule, if we cannot say something good about the other teams <laughs> or coaches, then we don't say anything at all. So <laughs> basically they just follow the golden rule that you learn in kindergarten. If you can't if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So that was the apology, Trent. Oh, so, uh,
0: so good. That, that's yeah. absolutely so good. For the actual quote, this came from media that were on the field. At the exchange, this is what Bielema said to Jim Walden. You've been a big asshole. I've enjoyed kicking your ass the last five years. That's the direct quote that came at least from media members that were around the scrum as it happened that day. That comes from a a Barry Trammell article who's still writing for the Oklahoman back in
1: 1992. Well, to, to tie a bow on this issue, Trent, this is the best part. Two weeks later, two weeks after I didn't know Iowa had a athletic board, but uh, the university of Iowa athletic board two weeks later got around to reprimanding Bielema. Do you want to know what the the reprimand was?
0: Uh, I don't know. I had to write an apology letter again.
1: No, no. The reprimand was, and I quote, it could, could not, not will. (laughs) It could result in a two game suspension. If it happens again. So (laughs) apparently if he came back, uh, post-graduation and, and, uh, Used profanity towards Walden again. It could it could result in a suspension. So they they really brought the hammer down on him. So, uh, so for those reasons, Trent, whether he's uh, coaching Wisconsin, Illinois, wherever, you got to have a little bit of a soft spot in your heart for good old Brett Bielema.
0: Absolutely, uh, I remember that season vividly. It was a disappointing year. That was the year they played, of course, Miami at Kinnick uh, early in the season. Lost that one to the number one team in the country. I was there for the finale up in the Roller Dome in 1992. All Iowa had to do was beat Minnesota. Bad Minnesota team as well happened a whole lot during that season. They promptly lost 28-13 to 13 in the Roller Dome. So, uh, yeah, I remember that season vividly and Bielema's comments. It's it just great kind of going back and thinking about that. Just how things were done, how different an environment it was back in 1992.
1: Yeah, I said the, the quotes just across the board were pretty great. Uh, the fact that uh, his his initial denial of profanity, then his half-assed uh, ex- apology, and then his uh, even more half-assed reprimand across the board. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think uh, Bielema or Fry felt too bad about what was said.
0: All right, let's uh, see what else that boy was able to unearth.
1: Uh, so then you get into Bielema as a coach, which not as fun as Bielema as a player because uh, he coached a total of five games against the Hawks as, as the Badgers coach. Went three and two against us, uh, 2006 and 2007. He beats us in close games. 2008, we blow him out in the Sean Green game, 38 to 16. 2009, uh, we, we beat them up at Camp Randall, 20 to 10. And then, as everybody knows, the last game he, was kind of the, uh, in some ways, the turning point of, of the, the Iowa Wisconsin rivalry. There, uh, 31 to 30 victory. Uh, in, in Kinnick after the fake punt. So uh, that was kind of Brett's lasting story with us that was beating us on the fake punt. Because then, for whatever ridiculous reasons, in 2011 and 2012, we did not play the Badgers. So 3-2 uh, and two against us. Let's hope, uh, even though he's not technically the head coach on Saturday, we're talking about 3-3 three and three, uh, uh, five days from now.
0: Let's even up that record coming up this season. Bielema has got a team already that is... Built in the style that you'd anticipate one of his squads over there. Uh, they can run the football incredibly well. Not much quarterback play. Looks like they're turning into what he did at Wisconsin for all intents and purposes.
1: Yeah, that's obviously the goal. But my question for you, Trent, is pretty simple: Is, is Illinois a, a good team, mm-hmm. a bad team, mm-hmm. uh, an emerging team? You know, you look at their stats across the board; they're pretty crazy. So before we before we look at the stats, uh, what do you think? Are, are they a, what, can, what are we going to get from a, the fighting the lion on Saturday?
0: I think they're all the above. I think they're good. I think they're bad. I think they're average. I think they're emerging. I think they're disappointing. They're, they're everything all in one. They're inconsistent, and that's what happens in the first year of a lot of different programs here. But it, you go back to that before the Penn State game. He calls out really the team as a whole and says we've we got to recruit better guys, and he specifically was talking about the offensive line. And since then, look how well that offensive line has played. So he's doing all the motivational ploys that he's done in the past. He's learned from some of the best in college football. He's going to get Illinois there. And for this year's squad, I think they pose problems for this year's Iowa's group.
1: I agree with you. Um, But before we talk about the Iowa-Illinois game, let's talk about, I mean, Illinois, like you said, inconsistent uh, doesn't really do it justice for how, how bizarre their season has been. They, the good has been really good. They ran for 357 yards against Penn State. Um, they doubled up Minnesota in rushing yardage. They ran for 185 and held Gophers to under 100, which is amazing. And obviously they started the year beating Nebraska as well. So you know, they've been, when they've been good, they've been really good. But the bad is unbelievable. They gave up over 500 yards to, to UTSA. They gave up over 560 yards to Virginia and got completely shut down by a horrific Virginia defense. They gave up 480 yards to a bad Maryland team and they had a total of 93 yards against Wisconsin. So, and they also got shut down by Rutgers recently. So, uh, they're good luck trying to figure out Illinois, but, uh, yeah, and like I said, there's my worry is there's a lot of similarities to that Purdue game. You got you know Iowa is a double digit favorite at home, but you got Iowa coming off a big emotional physical victory, and you got an opponent that that's coming off a bye week and that's that's not a great combination. So you know don't feel great about the game, but I, I do feel great about the fact that we have uh, completely owned Illinois over the next last seven years and uh, you know, we seem to have we seem to have their number. I looked it up. Over the last seven years, average score trend about 36 to 11 against Illinois. So they haven't even been competitive against us. So let's hope to make it eight on Saturday.
0: We will see. I uh, Well, we'll get to our picks a little bit later. I think everybody can feel the way that I'm leaning already, though, for this one. Before we get to those picks, though, let's get into a little basketball. You were in Carver, I believe, for both games, right? saw the 2-0 and start for
1: the Hawks. Yeah, they're... they're uh... You know, maybe I just need to keep going to all the games. If they start losing, you can blame me, Trent. But uh, You know, I don't – really nothing you can complain about with this team right now. I think they've looked as good as you could uh, hope for through two games. Uh, Are they going to struggle when they go up against physical teams or, you know, teams that have lots of post-play depth? Absolutely. But uh, they're fun to watch, and through two games, so far so good. What you've seen
0: out of Murray at this point, out of Keegan – he is a star. He's a guy that's going to get the most buzz and the most talk, no doubt. How you've seen him elevate his game here, though, for
1: 2021-22? Well, that that 90-second stretch he put on early in the second half against uh, UMKC is a 90-second stretch that I'm not sure any Iowa player in Iowa history could do. I mean, he hit a three. He went coast-to-coast coast and had a dunk, and then he post-up move a little left-handed curl shot I mean we've had guys that could do one of those three things or maybe even two of those three things but uh, to do three out of three in a 90 second stretch it's uh it's pretty unique so yeah he's you know at some point he's going to run up against some defenders that are a lot more physical than him and we'll see how he handles uh getting beat on a little bit but so far boy I mean he looks like an absolute star through two games
0: we are going to get to six and zero. We talked about this last week. Playing these dregs, including tonight, NC Central, Alabama State Greg, on Thursday.
1: Dregs, <laughs> you see what Missouri, Kansas City did last night?
0: Yeah, they beat a bad
1: Missouri team. Stopped a bad Missouri team up twenty with minutes <laughs> to go. So don't don't. Yeah, that can only help. They they may get you know. what you always talk about they just need to get to what one fifty in the. Yep. Guys, if UMC gets to that, then you have to quit complaining about that. That
0: was- They'll be absolutely excellent in the Summit League. So they get to 6-0, and and then they have this stretch. At Virginia, at Purdue, home for Illinois, at Iowa State. If I handed you on a platter right now, 2-2, two and two, I think that's a success, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the Purdue game's a loss. I mean, we never, lose, <laughs> we never win at Purdue. No. Just there... <laughs> They're a really, really bad matchup for us, and they're a bad matchup for everybody, but uh, we're not winning that game. So 3 and one's best-case scenario. If we can get two out of three in the other ones, uh, you got to feel pretty good about this team coming out of that stretch.
0: Yeah, with Edie and Travion Williams inside, too. That, yeah, incredibly scary matchup for the way Iowa is. going to be fun. We've got still a couple more weeks to get through before we get to those games. Monday, November 29th, that is the road trip out to Virginia for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's when things really will start for Iowa basketball. Well, I mentioned our picks, Biz, so let's get into it here. We open things up as we do each and every week as Biz, he got another winning week, 3-0 and last week. You're 17-14-1. I went 2-1, and trying to stay with you. What am I, let's see, one, two, two and a half games back as he got that push in there. So I'm still within striking distance here. I can still try to track you down before the end of the year.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, Every week I've done well, I usually uh, regress back to 500 the week after. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen this week. Uh, Actually, two of the three I feel really, really good about, which usually uh, means that it'll end up being an 0-3 (laughs) week.
0: It can go that way. Well, let's start as we always do. Iowa favored currently by 11.5 at Circa Sports against the Illini. I'm grabbing these points all game long. Bad matchup, nervous about the game, all over the place. Give me Illinois in the 11.5.
1: I'm right there with you, Trent. I just think that's too many points. I, I don't think we're, uh, we're capable of, of blowing anybody out in the Big Ten right now. And I, and I just, like I said before, Illinois is coming off a bye week. They're going to be fresh. I think they're an improving team. You know, I, I think we'll find a way to win the game. But it, it's not going to be pretty. N- nothing with Iowa football is going to be pretty right now. So I, uh, I hope we're both wrong. Or I hope we're both wrong. But uh, you know, I hope uh, let's just find a way to win, whether it's 11 and a half or not. I don't really care.
0: Let's go to the big game of the week. It's Ohio State, Michigan State. This one, a big number, currently sitting at 19. And uh, the horseshoe is the number. Michigan State's bad with the pass defense. What does Ohio State do? Well, they throw the ball. Last week, I sniffed that one out against Purdue. I think we're trending the same direction here. Buckeyes, big once again. I'm going to lay the 19 with confidence in this one.
1: Yeah, with that that weird number, I think if you're going to bet aside, it almost has to be Ohio State. It reminds me of when Arkansas played Georgia Mm -hmm. um, a while back, and everybody's like, well, how's this line so high? And then Georgia went and stomped them. But I actually – I like the over here, Trent, because you're right, Michigan State's – I saw somewhere Michigan State's giving up like 249 first downs. They're just not a good defense. But they are a really good offense. And I think they will put up enough points to, to keep it close. I think at some point Ohio State will go over that 19.5, but I can easily see Michigan State backdoor covering. But uh, I, I see this being an old-fashioned shootout in the shoe. So uh, give me over 66.5, I believe it is.
0: Yep, 66.5. That's where it is currently at. Circa wrapping things up. You already got yours marked down. So what do you got? Your bet of the week, your best bet?
1: Well, I, I, a couple years ago, Trent, I think I, uh, I, I promised. Myself, I was never, ever going to bet Rutgers ever again. Oh, I think I went 0-4 yeah. on these. But Rutgers, they're a new Rutgers squad, Trent. This is this is the Greg Sciano Rutgers. So, uh, the, the old rules don't apply to Greg <laughs> So uh, Rutgers is getting 17.5 going to Penn State. I don't think they'll win, but I think there's a Penn State game, team that uh, doesn't have much to play for anymore. They, they've had a rough month. I think they put all their eggs in their basket last week and uh, came up short. I just don't see them coming out with a lot of energy or enthusiasm. And uh, I think Rutgers Rutgers has a ton to play for. They still need to win to get to a bowl game. I think they will come out and give it, give Penn State all they can all they can handle. So uh, give me Rutgers getting 17-and-a-half.
0: Rutgers plus the 17-and-a-half. I'm going to finish up with my best bet of the week going to the Big 12. K-State welcomes in Baylor. Baylor fresh off a big win against Oklahoma I was against him last week, and I'm going to be against him again this week. Give me Kleiman's boys. K-State in a pick 'em, Kind of a stinky line. Like to sniff those ones out here. K-State playing some good football here. Lost a lot of clo- closer games earlier on in the season. think they're the right side here. I'm going to take the Wildcats in a pick 'em game.
1: Yeah, I like that one as well, Trent. So uh, probably a kiss of death on that one for you.
0: Uh-oh. well, yeah, what can you do? We'll try to... Put it together, and hopefully I can track you down here pretty soon as we continue on. Before that, though, Biz, and before we get out of here, it's time one, for— One, one, one oh, more yeah. thing
1: real quick before Beach, and I saw it's senior day on Saturday, and and I saw there were some discussions about uh, a few people, including Riley Moss, potentially uh, going through senior day but decided to come back next year. So uh, any predictions on— uh, who will use the COVID year for next year for the Hawks? Well,
0: any uh, yeah, I haven't really heard, seen anything. I've seen the scuttlebutt about Linderbaum. Oh, he might come back for another year. I, I still, I, I got to see that to believe it. But you know, crazier things have happened. Go back to Brandon Sheriff when he came back for another season. So we'll see on that front there. But uh, Riley Moss, I, a guy that I saw at the high school level, called a bunch of his games. I never anticipated he was going to turn out to be this guy and the kind of career that he has put together I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a bunch of these guys. Can we get another year of Charlie Jones? That's the one I want to see more than anybody.
1: Yeah, my, my prediction, I think we're going to see three of them, Charlie. I think we're going to see Moss, Charlie Jones, and I think Kyler Shute will as well. I, I, I haven't heard any rumors back and forth with him, but I, I just think all three of those are good candidates. And Riley Moss kind of hinted, sounded like, certainly sounded like he's, uh, he's been thinking about it a lot. And, and same with Charlie Jones, I think he said he's been thinking about it. I don't know about Tyler, shooting. Hear anything from him today? But uh, those are my completely uh, unsophisticated predictions that those three be next year.
0: That's what we love: predictions without anything behind it. That's <laughs> man, what we
1: man, man. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right, shooter. Let's see it. Business beat. Hey kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of
1: the day. Pfft. Business Beat of the Day is is kind of today's version of, man, are we getting old, Trent. I saw a post this morning that the movie Home Alone was released 31 years ago today. So um, my kids actually watched it earlier this week, and it's a movie that 31 years later still holds up. My kids love it. I love it. It's a great movie. But not only that, I think you know this, or maybe if you don't, but um, the kid that jumps into the 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 van and gets miscounted. The neighbor across the street uh-huh. is an old buddy of ours that we went to college with. So he still gets uh, he still gets residual checks every year. So uh, it's it's the gift that keeps gift that keeps on giving for Jeff Wiseman. Uh, Thirty one years later,
0: and uh, yes, he also enjoyed telling everybody as we be out the bar that he was in that movie. Back in the late 90s, but... Uh, I
1: noticed he, he tried to tell that to a lot of ladies, and yes. it never really worked.
0: Didn't end up uh, going the direction that he was hoping for, but uh, yeah, fun memories, fun movie, and yeah, we did the same with the kids last year. Yeah, Ella absolutely loved it. She thought that was awesome, and yeah, I'm looking forward to a, another another edition of that one. Now, what's the right age to have the kids for the first time watch Christmas Vacation? Y- you know, You will know better than I.
1: Oh, they, you just watch the AMC version. Okay. It's on, it's on AMC like 14 times in the month of December. They, they cleaned it up pretty nicely. The, uh, the true version, you you probably got to wait until they're at least 12, I'd say. But uh, the cleaned up version, Trent, Ella's, Ella's primed for that this year.
0: I think we're going to put that one on the list. And as uh, the great Kevin Woof, Buzz, your girlfriend, <laughs> that is uh, still one of the old-timers in the quotes. With that, Biz, we'll do it again next week. And... Hopefully talk about a Hawkeye victory, even if it's not pretty.
1: At this point, W's are W's, Trent. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to complain about an 8-2 team, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain about a 9-2 and two team. So, uh, go Hawks. <laughs>